Welcome to A Walk In My Stilettos, where our goal is to help you walk in your greatness. I'm your host, Makini Smith. The purpose of this show is to inspire you to walk in your greatness. We have conversations with amazing women that are letting us take a walk in their stilettos so we can continue to walk in a manner worthy of our calling. Today's guest, we have Selena Caesar Chavanez. She is an MP, a member of parliament for Whitby here in Canada. She has served as parliamentary secretary to the prime minister. She served as the parliamentary secretary to the minister of international development. She's been featured in Anti-O's magazine and recognized by many (laughs) other highly credible platforms for being the boss that she is. Please welcome to the show, (laughs) Selena. Hello, how are you? <laughs> I'm good. I just want to thank you so, so much for taking the time to join us and share your story um, with the audience. I know, you know, how busy your life is and how complicated things can be. So I appreciate you taking the time right now. Thank you so much. I, I appreciate you and, and thank you for having me. It's an honor. It's an honor, honestly. <laughs> I, 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 I've watched you and i probably before you became MP. Um, but, you know, mm-hmm. I, from, from the first time I met you, I was like, this woman is a boss. <laughs> and I've watched you grow and I've watched you evolve. And I, I love your story. And I believe that, you know, everyone needs to hear your story. A lot of, majority of my audience is actually from the U.S. So I have some that are in the islands, mm-hmm. and Thailand and stuff like that. But, you know, everyone in Toronto knows who Selena is, your household name, but I want the world <laughs> whoever hasn't seen you know any of your other features internationally so I want them to hear your story nice well before we get begin can I just say thank you to you you are just doing some amazing things and when I see other women being successful uh, yourself and your partner but I know that you had much success um, before him so I just want to big you up <laughs> And just and just say that when I see other women doing uh, doing great things and being successful and being their authentic self, I I'm inspired to continue to do more and to continue to do better. So uh, seeing you in Times Square, I was just like, oh, Selena needs, <laughs> Selena needs to step up her game right now. <laughs> Thank Forget you. Forget old Thank magazine. You. Like, I want, I want Times Square. <laughs> you know, it, it, thank you. Thank you so much for saying that. You know, it's, it's funny. Like one of, um, you know, the reflection questions that I usually like to ask the woman at the end of the show is, oh, you know, if, if, if you were, you know, able to be on a billboard in Times Square, what would it say and why? And oh it was God. funny when the opportunity came to me and I was like, okay, well, what do I have to say right now? What what right. what would I be on a Times Square billboard for? And yeah. we were, you know, about to do the campaign for the Couples Journal. I was like, mm, you know what? Let's do that. Let's do the whole Black love thing. Let's go there. But, nice. Yeah. Nice. But anyway, nothing oh, about man. me. Okay. Yes. Okay. Okay. <laughs> this is all about you're, you. You're it's so all about dope. you. I love you. So that's good. Okay. okay. I love you too. <laughs> so I w- I like to start this show by asking this question because as women and especially the boss women that I have on the show, everyone has so many different titles and it's beautiful. It's great. Yeah. But I believe that a title that we are called every single day that holds so much weight and significance is our name. 
Do you know yes. what your name Selena means? So let me be, let me just tell you a little story about Selena. So I know what it means. It means like celestial body. So I I, I equate Selena with the moon. Mm-hmm. Um, but I changed my name five years ago. So five years ago, my and most people know me as Rayon, um, mm. and that means ray of sun. So my name is Selena Rayon, which is the moon and the sun. Oh, beautiful. Yes. Look at that. I love it. I so, love it. Yeah. I love it. Yeah. So big heavenly bodies that, you know, are responsible for warmth and light, but also responsible for, you know, the, the gravitational pull that the, that is that we keep our earth in balance. So uh, I, I hold those, those titles quite high. And it's because I changed my name because my great grandmother, that was her dying wish. And I honored mm. it, you know, almost 40 years later at wow. the request of my grandmother who said, you know, this was something she really wanted. Can you do it? I'm like, sure. <laughs> wow. Wow. But, but yeah. look at that. Like when you look at the meaning of your name and who you are as a person, you know, sometimes we don't right. really pay attention to those things, but every time I ask a woman what their name means and then they say it and then they look at who they are as a person, like, wow, that actually yes. makes total sense. Like you are this, this force, <laughs> do you know what I mean? <laughs> this, this gravitational pull, like it makes so much sense. Yeah, and you, I think I think once you step into your name, really, uh, so I've actually had an opportunity to analyze it and step into it from one to the next, right? Which I think mm-hmm. Rayon was a, 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 me for quite some time and is the foundation of Selena. But when I think about Selena and her force, like you say, mm-hmm. it's so, it's, you know, I think about what I've done or accomplished as her. And it's been, it's, it's been pretty amazing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So speaking of amazing, you, okay. Where do I even start? Okay. How did you, <laughs> how did you get into politics? Because as a woman and as a black woman here in Canada, when, you know, when you look at politics, like you, you are definitely a force to be reckoned with. You know, you, okay, let, let, let me t- ask you to tell your story first before I go into the whole thing. Okay, okay. So how did you get so, into politics? So I got into politics, really, I, so 10 years ago, I started a business, Resolve Research Solutions, that was a neurological, a healthcare-based neurological uh, management form or research management for working on neurological conditions. So anything related to the brain, uh Parkinson's, Alzheimer's, et cetera. And I did my first MBA then. Mm-hmm. I decided to do a second MBA, an executive MBA, uh, 10 years later, so in 2013. And while I was doing that course, uh, there was a politics component. And they were talking about political capital and how, you know, political capital is as, as important as financial capital. Mm-hmm. And I thought, oh, my goodness, like I was I just was not paying attention to any politics up until that point. Mm-hmm. I mean, save and except, except for, you know, the Obama 
you know, election, right. I was not paying much attention to Canadian politics or anything that was really having an impact on my life directly here in Canada. And I thought, isn't that a shame? <laughs> so it, that was December of 2013. So I immediately Googled how to become more politically active mm-hmm. and um, joined a political party, the Liberal Party, which would be akin to the Democratic Party in the United States mm-hmm. uh, for your U.S. listeners. And, uh, you know, Googled how to do it, became a member in February of 2014. So this is a couple months later. And of course, when you become a member of a political party, they send you tons of emails. Yes. And one of their emails on March 8th, International Women's Day of 2014, said, invite her to run. Do you know a woman who is smart and charismatic and contributes to the building of our country, Canada? And I looked at my, I looked at the screen, I looked at my reflection in my computer screen, and I said, yeah, <laughs> me, I know that woman, she's sitting right here. Yes. And so I signed up, and the rest is history like literally a few months in and that was it. Wow. Wow. And so I I just figured I could use like some some of my business and research background. I I usually was using it, the research data to contribute to, you know, to give to the GR people on the government relations side. Say, okay, you use this data to influence policy. And I figured, well, I could use that to influence policy. So here I am. Wow. I, okay, what what advice would you give to a woman that's looking to get into politics right now? So I, I I think based on my story, I would say, well, based on my story and based on what's been happening in particular in the U.S. around uh, women, women of color, diverse backgrounds, getting involved in politics, is I would say if you are thinking about it, do it. Mm-hmm. Don't do not worry about oh my goodness, I need to have a poli-sci degree, I need to be a lawyer, I need to be an X, Y, Z, or the other. Just do it. Uh, Secondly, I would say that I think the most important thing is being authentically yourself. So Mm -hmm. if I wasn't grounded in a foundation of myself and who I am in terms of not being the most politically, um, I'm politically savvy, but the knowledge of politics, Mm -hmm. I would have doubted myself every step of the way. But eventually I figured out that, no, I know business. I have two MBAs. I've run businesses. I've run major epidemiology studies across the country. Uh, You know, I've done like really great things. So I transformed how I thought about politics into what I knew and I was comfortable with. And that was running a business. So I ran my campaign as a business. And every time I think about policy, I think about it from a business perspective. So I don't, I didn't need to know the whole history of Canadian politics. I could learn that, but being authentically myself in this role, I think has gained me a lot of success, confidence, and has allowed me to use uh, the one of the biggest me- megaphones in the country to good use. Right, right. Definitely. I mean, you've taken a stand for those that, you know, feel they have no voice many times. So in your um, run in politics, do you have like a favorite or a special memory of a time that you spoke up for others? So I would say that every time I spoke up was related to something that aggravated me or mm-hmm. I was feeling really upset about. So the first time was in 2016. And for those of you who know me and those who don't, I had a nervous breakdown or what's traditionally called a nervous breakdown in 2016, in March of 2016. So this is, you know, six months after I'm elected, 
I'm in a major Toronto hospital having a major depressive disorder um, episode, uh, depression and anxiety. And I decided to one day I was asked um, by a journalist to write a blog. And I wrote about my experience losing the first by-election that I was in in 2014 and then winning the general election in 2015 and between those two times I was majorly depressed I didn't get out of bed for two months and never really seek the help that I need so having that nervous breakdown was a culmination of years of just you know avoiding what I knew what was wrong mm-hmm. and I wrote about that and it blew up it was the, the the hottest thing ever because a politician has been vulnerable and has mm-hmm. expressed that she has depression and oh my goodness, this is like headline news. And it frustrated me because I thought, well, it, it shouldn't be that big a deal. Right. By getting into the public life, you realize, yes, it's a major deal when you do that. <laughs> everything and is a major deal when you Everything is a major deal. <laughs> yeah. and, uh, and so I, you know, really wanted women at that point, to, to, I wanted to change the conversation to say, number one, if we are constantly being asked to be twice as good, twice as smart, twice as fast, twice as everything, it's an unsustainable model mm-hmm. in our lives. So especially if we do not talk about it. So it's sustainable right. if you think you could do it. And, and most of us have done it for years and years and years. But at some point, you need to express, I'm tired. I'm yes. not well. I need help. I something. I'm not okay. And it's okay to not be okay. Mm-hmm. Right? So mm-hmm. that for me was, was critically important. And then to say that vulnerability or being vulnerable is not a sign of weakness. It that's is right. a sign of great strength and resilience. That's right. That's right. Right. So, so that that had to be the, the you know the two lessons that came out of that. The second is around. So, I'm a real strong proponent of of mental health and and talking about destigmatizing uh, mental illness. The second is around equity, and of course, you know my my feature in in Oprah magazine was around me standing up and talking about girls and women who go into spaces, especially black girls and women who are judged, you know, on the size of their hips, the size of their lips, the, you know, their, their body features, but for black women in particular, it's their hair. So, you know, you, you wear braids or you have your your hair, you know, in the super curly natural Afro or, you know, our young girls with Afro puffs and they're being admonished at school and in the workplace because of their natural hair. Mm -hmm. And, our our hair is our is our beauty and why should we adjust it to accommodate adjust it for your own being because right. you like it but you don't have to adjust it to accommodate and to fit into spaces and to say that you know on that level we don't hear a lot about that but mm-hmm. that is what often is something that has been keeping us back somebody else is determination of what beauty is or what professionalism is and saying that we don't want that in our spaces and that's nonsense yeah i've read i've read so many articles especially in the u.s where schools have banned um you know young black girls from wearing their hair in their natural afro state or wearing uh you know box braids extensions and stuff like that and i'm thinking to myself that's our culture that's 
right. who we are that I don't understand. Like, it, it's mind blowing to me. I was going to say I was actually in Walmart in the checkout aisle with my kids <laughs> flipping through uh, the O magazine when I seen your picture in there. And I was like, oh, my God, that's Selena. <laughs> you know, I was so freaking proud. And I'm taking Insta stories of it and pictures of it. And I'm like, you know, you were featured in O Magazine for speaking out against hair shaming and discrimination. And that speech went viral because it needed to be said. You were speaking on behalf of every woman out here, not just women of color. Honestly, like I know so many women in, in other cultures that were having conversations about that speech. Like, okay. So what, what triggered you to, to write that speech? So what triggered me is, you know, there was a couple of things, but I think for me, the story that the stories that we're hearing in the United States happened right here in Toronto, you know, and of course, I'm a a member of Black Moms Connections in so I have to give a a shout out to my BMC moms. Mm -hmm. And, you know, hearing of, you know, teachers (laughs) pulling our daughter's hair, it's so not funny, but pulling our daughter's hair into elastic bands and, you know, moms, what do I do about this? You know, hearing these stories, it was just heart wrenching mm-hmm. to even think that anybody would have the audacity to think that that was okay. And mm-hmm. so there were a couple other things that happened. And I just said, you know what, I'm going to wear my hair in braids, which I, I have, haven't done for a very, very long time. And I'm going to show up in the House of Commons and I'm going to make sure that people know that this is us mm-hmm. and that's it. And, and it also, what it did was it armed women and moms and young girls with a tool to say, if you're going to step to me about my hair, let me, let me just play this little video here for you. <laughs> <laughs> Let me tell you what what Auntie Selena be saying. <laughs> right, right, right. Right. You know, like so that there, was important. There, there was um a video that went viral recently that actually brought me to tears. It was um a young, I believe it was high school boy, who was yes, uh, yes. wrestling wrestling team, and yes. the coach cut off his locks because yes. they felt that that would make him win. And even though he did win, like I, I have goosebumps right now as I'm saying this because I'm so angry as a parent. I have a daughter with locks and I warn yeah. anybody on this planet who dares to think that they would take a pair of scissors to my child's hair without speaking to me first. I know. And I, I know. thought of his parents. I thought of like, I thought of the level of disrespect and misunderstanding and, and discrimination and all of these things that happen in schools from people who don't understand from a cultural standpoint, you know, the things that we do with our hair and our natural state. Well, I think it speaks to a lot of a larger societal problem, right? So our our hair is one thing, but it's who we are and the biases that other people who have authority and power bring into these spaces and think that they can assert their, their authority and power without consequence and without permission. And Mm -hmm. so, you know, I have a a son who's gifted. And for the first three years, it got to the point where he didn't want to go to school anymore, because he was 
constantly being pushed down and say, well, you know, Johnny, you can't present your report on DNA versus RNA in second grade because the kids aren't there yet. I'm like, the kids are not ever going to be there, but just let the boys present, you know? So why do we need to do this to our children? And and that's, you know, that's Johnny's on one end of the spectrum, but we, we, we are constantly trying to fit our children into this box that they're aggressive that they're you know they're too they're too loud they need to sit quietly there's this there's that i'm sorry mm-hmm. can you just let my child be yes you yes. know can, can you have yes. a conversation with my child before you assert your biases on him or her yes. you know and and that for me is is I think that's a that's a societal problem, and one of the reasons why we're we're constantly telling parents, you know, be active in the schools, and you know, even at at my my kids' school, we had buddy systems with parents who I knew couldn't make it to the school for various issues, and whenever I see their child, we would just tag team and say, you know, I saw your child in the office, everything cool, because I'm here right now, and mm-hmm. we have to look out for each other. It's a village. Because I not agree. everybody could do it, but the power structures determine that we need to be strategic of how we protect our children and mm-hmm. use our platforms to be able to advocate for our children in ways that are often silenced in other spaces. I definitely agree with you on that. I mean, I, I have one of my children who I am constantly at the school for monthly meetings and with teachers and principals and guidance officers, um, guidance counselors and, you know, the whole nine yards. Years ago, she was, you know, diagnosed with ADHD, but we don't treat her that way. And in our home, we allow her the space to be creative and to, you know, express herself in the way that she needs to. But at school, they label her as she's not paying attention. She's distracting other children. She's, you know, so they're labeling her as the bad child. And when I come in there as that parent with a voice and say, Okay, just because she doesn't fit into your box, she doesn't learn the way that everyone else learns, doesn't mean that she's a troubled child. You know, many times I'm sure they have parents that roll over and allow them to label their child and do all these things. And then, you know, you never know what happens to these kids because they they start to feel a certain way. And that's where a lot of, you know, mental health um, issues come in because they get depressed and then they're anxious in class and all these things. All these things. But the the impact on the child, I think, is the the part that we need to understand and advocate for because we're not going to be here forever and we need to build resilience in them first right to know that they're okay and and your style your learning abilities your whatever they're okay yeah (laughs) you know you're you're just enough you're enough the way you are and those societal sort of labels we, we need to start dispelling them as a community mm-hmm. and then more broadly as a society. So speaking of children, um, you know, you mentioned your son and you also have two beautiful daughters. So yeah. I, I can only imagine, I mean, are your daughters proud of you? Like, you know, they're like mom, <laughs> you know, mom runs, the, mom runs things. Mom, you know, <laughs> mom is in office. Mom is on, on Oprah magazine. Like how do your daughters feel? Uh, my daughters have a, do a very good job of grounding me. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, really, mom, uh, Oprah, like, so you couldn't get like another one. <laughs> <laughs> they get, they get excited. So if you, if you, 
see my daughters, like they're very active on social media. They're constantly mm-hmm. defending me. They're constantly, you know, calling out people. You know, mm-hmm. uh, one of our politicians the other day put something out about the LGBT, against the LGBTQ community. And, mm-hmm. you know, my 14 year old tweeted at him and said, you know, just sashay away from me, Paul. <laughs> <laughs> And I just thought, oh, my God. So really for me, and I, 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 you know, this is really important for me to to say, is that my daughters may be proud of me, but I am so, like, they are my heroes. They are the mm-hmm. ones that I look up to and want to be better for. That is so, beautiful. you know, they, they are, they are so boss, you know, people <laughs> attack me all the time on, on Twitter and, and other platforms. And, you know, Desiree jumps right in there. Uh, she's, <laughs> she's studying in the UK right now, but, you know, so I, I often don't see when she is clapping back because mm-hmm. uh, she's a few hours ahead, but she, <laughs> she claps back. And then now I have, of course, Candace, my 14 year old on Twitter, and she's, she's, one tweet you know she's not she doesn't say very much but when she does it's like her tongue is like acid so yeah. you know just just watch out and so they are they are selena 2.0 they are yes. the bigger better badder version of myself and i i love it i love it I, I I love it because, I mean, I already know how boss you are and, and how fearless you are in, in saying what you think and how you feel. So it's obvious that, you know, your your daughters would be the same. And, you know, I tell people all the time, some things are caught, some things are taught. So, right, you know, right. it, it, they're, they're, they're catching on very well, I see. Very well, very well. Well, you know, what I think, too, so I had a conversation with a mom the other day who, you know, her, her school calls you know, her daughter was being rude and the mom was obviously was upset. And she's, you know, I was sitting in a forum and she asked me this question, you know, how do we, how do I handle that? Because you don't want your daughters to be rude, but you don't want to dampen or push down that voice, that fireness, that feistiness mm-hmm. in them that mm-hmm. allows them to be able to navigate the world long after you're gone. And so for me and my husband in particular, you know, he would look at me and be like, you know, Candace is being rude. She's being rude. And I'm like, no, 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 let her go. Let her go. It's good. It's good. (laughs) And then every now and again, I catch myself and I'm like, dang, she is rude. I need to to curve it back. I'm like, Candace. A little bit. Just a little bit. You're you're just just crossing the line, sweetheart. You're crossing. And I tell her when she's crossing the line. And she's like Mm -hmm. that with me, with her teacher. So, you know, parent-teacher interview comes up in fifth grade. And her teacher is saying to me, you know, Candace is a really good kid. She's, she's in high school now. She has a 90% overall average, smart, very smart girl. But can you just tell her that there's only one teacher in the classroom? And I said, oh, yeah, that's well and good. If you could, only, if you could, if you could tell her that there's only two parents in the household, then we could. Right, right. <laughs> Right. Exactly. She runs our house like she runs this classroom. <laughs> and I'm kind of afraid of her. So <laughs> But we gotta let them be able to express that in a in a confident way, but in a safe way, respecting authority and understanding the fine line between being confident in yourself and what is right and wrong and then being rude, which I, I won't stand for. I, I very much agree with that. I mean, I have people ask me all the time because I talk about allowing my daughters to be 
themselves and not trying to force them into a box and allowing them to, to, to learn and express who they are. So I've had people ask me, you know, as a parent, how do you handle that? And I, like you said, like you said, with your, your daughter, who's a little feisty, I have one who's a little spicy. Um, I, I see her on Instagram <laughs> with yes. her like millions of followers. <laughs> yes. And I, I'm like, listen, you are 17 and you may have 240,000 people that follow you on Instagram. But hi, hello, I'm your mom. I am yeah, not yeah, your yeah. friend. <laughs> Watch your mouth. <laughs> Watch <laughs> your mouth. <laughs> so it's it's trying to find that line between allowing them to express themselves and not be disrespectful at the same time. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. So, okay, in terms of your career, what adversities have you had to overcome to get to where you are today? Aside from, I mean, you've, you've mentioned some of them, but. Um, yeah, I, th- I think the biggest one for me was um, when I graduated from university, so I graduated out of high school, like my daughters with, you know, a 99 was my highest mark and like an 80 something was my lowest mark. I was a boss in high school that I got mm-hmm. into university and I was kicked out the first <laughs> <laughs> academic probation the first year kicked out the second year like just had a terrible time I graduated you know with a a, a six years it took me six years to finish my three-year degree Mm -hmm. and I graduated with a 1.58 GPA so this was a girl that in high school was you know going to be a neurosurgeon um was you know the, the smartest person in her grade and I end up totally failing out of university, right? I think at one point the university must have just said, you know, just get her out of here. Just give her her degree because she's, she's just insistent on staying, like, and finishing. Just give her what she needs. The, the cutoff is a 1.56 to graduate. I got a 1.58. And I just thought they must have said, get her out of here. Bring down our international ranking. Get her out of here. So uh, after that, it was really depressing because I'm like, I was supposed to be a neurosurgeon. I can't apply Mm -hmm. to med school with a 1.58 GPA. Mm -hmm. And I, 20 years ago, I was a forklift operator in a factory. Wow. And I really just thought, oh my God, this is my life. I'm, this is it. I'm, Mm -hmm. this is, this is the end. Mm-hmm. And then I think for me, it was the understanding again of that foundation, that authenticity, who I am and knowing who I am and having the support of, of my, my husband um, to say, hey, you graduated. You got that piece of paper. Use right. it and stop right. feeling sorry for yourself. Yes. And so I went back to school, like I'm a glutton for punishment. I did a fourth <laughs> year undergraduate research course and then got myself, you know, started on the road to research. But as a research student with, mm-hmm. you know, a child and a husband and working minimum wage and staying over, over time for free so that I could learn statistics and I could learn, you know, the ropes in research. And then, you know, working my way up as a research assistant and then research coordinator and research um, and then doing my first MBA and realizing that to get that job as a research manager, where you're, you know, they, they are constantly telling you that you're overqualified mm-hmm. and you don't have enough managerial experience and you're overqualified. So I sent out 732 applications wow. because, you know, you're, you're supposed to send them out and then follow up and then you know, <laughs> you put them in a little file in your inbox. 732 applications. I had four interviews, two second interviews, and I got zero jobs. 
Oh, wow. And I had an MBA and I'm like, how is this possible? And so, you know, by that time I had two kids, you know, my, my two daughters and I, we, I had a mouse, mouse to feed. So mm-hmm. I started my company. And I think for me, that was the turning point. The, the point where, you know, you have to understand that you have to hustle. Yes. And you, if you, you have to make a way out of no way. And our ancestors have been doing this for ever. So Selena, get your button gear and do it. And, you know, it, thankfully, I you know I had Vidal. So in the first year of the, of the company, uh, Vidal's my husband, uh, you know, it, we don't make any money. And he said, you know, I will work. I will work two jobs. So he was a teacher at the time. He taught uh, during the day. He taught at night. And at weekends, he would work at the paint department at, you know, the local Home Depot. Mm-hmm. and allowed that business to grow and thrive. And within the first major check that we received for the company was the down payment to our first home. Wow. And that is how the hustle is like, you just, you just keep hustling, keep going. I think that's such a powerful story. And because, okay, you know, you sent out, would you say 700 and how many? 732. <laughs> 732. I know the number. Oh my God. I kept going, like, one of these applications would work. Like <laughs> you sent out so many applications, got very little response. And you said, you know what? I'm just going to start my own, you know, and you did that. You put in the work. It may not have, have produced immediate results, but it did because oh, no. you stuck with it. Well, like, I have to be, I have to put a, a caveat to that. So Throughout the time, and I'm I'm a very spiritual person, and I, I I'm not pushing religion. I'm just pushing my own spirituality. Yeah. Throughout yep. the entire time that I was sending out these resumes, my spirit would be like, "Okay, we're doing this again. Okay. Mm. Clearly, we haven't learned the first six hundred <laughs> times. Can you please start your own company? Clearly, you haven't learned the first the first uh, you know six hundred and seventy five mm-hmm. times. Start the company." And mm-hmm. I'm just like, well, you know, I'm not, I don't think I can. I don't know what I'll do. And then it was like, okay, you know, we're at 700 now, babe. Like, <laughs> what, are, what are we doing? Come on. Like, God's talking to you and you're clearly ignoring. <laughs> and I'm just like, no, you know, I'm not sure you really know what you're doing up there. Let me just send one more. Okay, you speak yourself, honey. <laughs> mm-hmm. And then finally I just said, Okay. I'm going to do this. And again, it took a while to get going, but once it did, and and mind you, even while it was going, I mean, even up till today, I still update my resume. Like my mm-hmm. resume is never not updated, <laughs> right? Because you just never know. You yeah, never know. You never know. And so I was still sending out resumes, but I was like determined to get this company going and to see it move and be successful. And eventually it got there. You mentioned earlier about, you know, Twitter trolls and even just in my short run for office, I I don't know how you've dealt with it for so long. You're, you're like, you're my hero Um, because politics can be a thankless career because you're trying your best to do so much for the population but then there's a huge portion of that population that is just so negative um and they say and do the most um how do you how do you stay grounded 
Um, so if I could just go back to the previous question just quickly around mm -hmm. adversity. Like, you know, one of the things I always tell my kids is to never look at what other people have because mm -hmm. you just don't know how they got it, right? You right. don't know the blood, sweat, and tears that went into getting it. Yes. So I think when we think about adversity and we think about oh, comparing ourselves to other people, especially as women, as minority groups or people of color, um, we're not the minority, sorry, but people <laughs> of color, where, right. uh, where we, we compare ourselves. And I think that's, that does ourselves a disservice because mm -hmm. we don't know what blood, sweat, and tears went into things and we don't know um, how difficult it is for people to attain what they've attained. So that's, right. that, that's just a caveat for the last one. But in terms of how do I stay grounded? So first, you know, the trolls were always there. And of course, as my popularity grew, you know, the bots started coming out and mm -hmm. all of the hate started coming. Um, and I was reading it. <laughs> I was reading the stuff and I was, you know, I get into this like, oh my God, like feeling sick to my stomach kind of bad, bad way. Mm -hmm. And um, and then, you know, people were like, well, you need to get off Twitter and you need to, you know, you need to just, you know, deactivate your account or just have your team handle all of your Twitter messages. And I was like, but that's not fair. Because mm -hmm. I like Twitter. Like I like, I like, you know, calling stuff out. Mm -hmm. And so I said, that, that's not fair either. So I just mute everybody. <laughs> <laughs> I, I mute all, like all day long. You even say something that's slightly offensive, mute. Yeah, yeah, yeah. mute. I don't yeah. block them because we've heard, we've seen where, you know, some public officials have been, um, are, are being sued for blocking their constituents. So I, I won't block you. And, and the other thing is too, I, I won't block you only because if I block you, you can't write what you need to say. And mm -hmm. I need history to record the right. way that women, that a black woman in a federal political system is treated on right. a daily basis by these anonymous, faceless cowards. Yes. I want the record to show exactly what went down. Right. And so I'll mute you and you could have fun arguing with yourself. <laughs> <laughs> like I said, <clears throat> I I tip my hat to you when it comes to that because in the 6 month period that I was dealing with the campaign and I I was running it for an area that is not very diverse, but the right. amount of comments and things that were written things that were written about me as a black woman people who have never met me the things that they right. had to say right like, and it's like wow are, are we what what year are we in i'm i'm confused right, right now and right I, people found the time to Photoshop and put my face on the side of a milk carton, like things like that. I thought to myself, yeah. is this, is this how I want my life to be? How am I going to stay grounded if I have to deal with this on a daily basis? So I, I tip my hat to you, like, especially the fact that you've dealt with, you know, your uh, mental health in the past, you know, you talked about your nervous breakdown in 2016. Like, I know that you have a beautiful supportive family and husband so like what it, what are your self-care routines to even deal with all of that like you have to have some kind of system in place to, oh, to deal yes 
Right. So it's been adjusting over the last three years, to be very honest with you. So nervous breakdown, of course, I was on medication after medication after medication after medication, and they adjust, and they cut it in half, and then add one, and then minus one, and then chuck. And then, uh, <laughs> and then it was, you know, okay, Selena, you need to find some other forms of therapy. So cognitive behavioral therapy, try some culturally appropriate ones. And what I've really found for me that has created the most peace is rediscovering my spirituality. Mm -hmm. So in this job, I've had to, so I've had death threats. I've been walking around with um, GPS locators so that, you know, police could find me if ever I was in trouble. I've had, you know, I've been sued. I've been, you know, through mediation. I've, it's just so much stuff Mm -hmm. happens um, that's behind the scenes that nobody knows about. Mm -hmm. And so, and, you know, very early on, because I'm, I was a practicing Catholic, you know, I would have protests outside of my church of people wow. like protesting that Selena should not be in this church. I'm like, yeah, so, so Christian of you. This, I'm sure right. Jesus would love, would love this. This right. is what Jesus wanted. This is what Jesus would do. Um, yeah. But they had, they were protesting. They'd have like these abortion signs and Oh, it was just, it was horrible. And I know that I I go to church to find peace. And I felt like I couldn't continue to go there and do that to other people Mm -hmm. who wanted to be there for peace. So I left and I tweeted out at the person like, you know, I hope, I hope this is what Jesus would have wanted you to do because now I don't go to church. And so for the last couple of years, I, I haven't been going to church and it has been the most excruciating you know void in my life and wow. you know I tried going back to different ones and you know the pastor would get up on in the pul- and start saying stuff like directed at me because I'm in the front row because I could feel like it's like a cheap shot and so I'd leave that church and I'd go to another one and you know it, it just got ridiculous so I just stopped going all together and um, a friend of mine called me a couple uh, a, a few months ago and said out of the blue, somebody I went to high school with, and she's like, you know, do you meditate? The conversation went around to meditating, and I said, oh, meditation is so hokey pokey. Like, how do you do meditation? I thought you were Catholic. You're like, why would you do that? So she just pray, and she said, you know, prayer is what you say to God. Meditation mm-hmm. is when you listen to Him or her. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. Um, and I thought, oh, and then I, I tried it for a little, and I'm so intensely devoted to meditation and my spirit and my spiritual development, like reading books, um, a course, doing a course in miracles, um, just, just so much reading and understanding of different faiths and how much we have in common mm-hmm. versus how different we are and understanding that religion I in my opinion and I don't want to offend any of your listeners has really distorted spirituality and mm-hmm. our connection with our creator yes. and that for me has been has offered me the most peace mm-hmm. and when I say peace I mean like being able to 
putting my family through this mm-hmm. and able to just mute the trolls like a game. <laughs> Right, like, oh, how many people can I mute today? Mute, mute, mute. <laughs> like, I, I, it makes me so happy. <laughs> but I could function in my job. Right. And then I could come home and not be the monster mom and, mo- well, not mom, but monster wife. Like, I don't know how my husband was up with me, but the monster wife that I've been for, you know, a few of those years. Mm-hmm. And I think that applies to whether you're in politics or you're you know, a stay-at-home mom or anything in between if you don't have that sort of balance in your life. I, you I actually wanted to ask you that. Like, how do you, how do you balance, you know, family and, and work life? Or is there such thing as balance for you? No, no, there isn't. And I think it's, I think it's, a, it's, a, it's a, 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 something that we impose on women because we think that, you know, no, you, you should have it all. So you need to balance everything. Well, if you balance everything, everything gets 50%, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And so when, when I'm at work, and this was even before I got into politics, when I'm at work and my kids are at school, the rule was, unless something is severed from somebody, <laughs> don't call me. Right? Where's the, where's the peanut butter? What? Yeah. yeah. What? Excuse, what? Are you, is this what's happening, right? You're pulling me out of a meeting to ask me some foolishness instead of looking for it. So it was, okay, and mommy, what does it mean to be severed? I mean, like your arm is disconnected <laughs> from your actual body. Don't call me for nonsense. And, you know, it was a family joke, but I think my, my kids were scared enough to be like, okay, well, you know, I just got a little bump on the head. I don't know if I should call her. Um, but I give my work 100%. And then mm-hmm. when I'm at home, you know, I don't care if the prime minister is calling. The phone right. is off. Right. And I've actually missed a couple of calls where it's like, it's the prime minister switchboard calling. Um, <laughs> we will call you back. Like, oh, well, that's too bad. Um, you know, but I'm at home with my kids right now. And, and especially like on Sundays, like, come on. Like, you know, it's going to spin tomorrow. It, it's funny you say that because so when I was when I was running in the election, that was one of my. Um, boundaries, which is I don't work on Sundays. I go to church and that is my family time. I don't care. Mm-hmm. You can send me as many mm-hmm. emails as you want or as many texts. I'll respond to you on Monday morning. And there right. was a, a few times where my camping manager was like not having it. And he's like, well, can't we go canvassing after you're done church? I'm like, no, you can. And a couple of times he had texted me and he's like, the premier is trying to reach you. And I'm like, <laughs> Okay, it's Sunday. Yeah. <laughs> like, Tell her to call you. me back on Monday. Yeah. <laughs> like she's called you three times. <laughs> and I'm like, okay, well, I was in church. Like, what do you want from me? Like, I have to have right. some form of boundaries. Like, right. to me, I, right. I need that. I need that. So you're going to respect that. Yeah, I was reading, and I can't remember. I, I, I'm horrible with, I read a lot, but I'm horrible with remembering where the sources are. But an individual who said that it is easier to stand with your principles 100% of the time mm-hmm. than it is to do it 98% of the time. Right, right. Because once you give that one, and I think it was the same thing around him having to play in a basketball game. On, I, I'm pretty sure it was um, the Harvard Business Review's top 10 reads. Uh, I can't remember the author, though, but, you know... 
he 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 was supposed to play on a, a, a champion basketball game. He's a star player on a Sunday, and mm-hmm. the team is like, "Hello, what? Why aren't you suited up?" And he said, "It's Sunday," mm-hmm. and he didn't play, and he stuck to it, and he's never regretted it. Good because it's it's his foundation. It's it's, it's his value. And yes. once we start to waver from our values, again, going back to what we talked about right at the beginning, once we start to sway from being authentically ourselves, that's when we get into trouble. That's when people say, oh, politics as usual, oh, mm-hmm. all politicians are corrupt, because you lose yourself in the game. Mm-hmm. But I made a decision right from the beginning that I was okay being a one-term politician. But while mm-hmm. I was there, I was going to create some noise. Right? Yes. yes, I was going to make some differences. <laughs> So it, it, it wasn't about I need to be reelected as much as I need to work for the people of Whitby and the 37 million Canadians who are expecting me to do a job and make their lives better. Yes. Yes. I love that. I love that. So tell the people quickly where they can find you online. Oh, yeah. So everything is at MP Selena. So M is in Mary, P is in Peter, Selena with C-E-L-I-N-A. So that's Facebook, Twitter, Instagram is at MP Selena. Uh, online is mpselena.ca. The, the whole brand is just MP Selena. Perfect. Perfect. Okay. So usually the final segment of the show, um, it, you know, I ask a few reflection questions. I call it a walk in her stilettos. Yep. It's, um, so yeah. I'm just going to, for the interest of time, I'm just going to pick one. Okay. What have you become better at saying no to in the last five years? Everything. <laughs> just, okay. Just everything, whatever I choose to not, and that's about balancing like my mental health as well. Mm-hmm. Just understanding that, you know, you could say no to anything and everything as long as it doesn't fit within what your, your priorities are and your values are. So it doesn't matter what the question is. Mm-hmm. I, I I could say no to it. I love that. I love that. I mean, I I've I'm learning. Uh, I okay. So I had learned years ago to say no to say family members, but I'm learning now in terms of even business. So I've actually been off the past couple of weeks. Um, I had my uterus removed. Um, so, hey, me too. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's it's so awesome not having your periods. Oh my god. Yeah. <laughs> That's the greatest thing ever. Trust me. I'm oh, excited. I'm excited. Oh my god, they're like a, they're like a vodka and tonic. It's like hysterectomy, <laughs> vodka and like it's just so great. It's like just awesome. Love it. Well, I'm fresh. Sorry. I only had it done two weeks ago, right? So so Oh, I didn't, I've had it for I, years. Oh, it's so awesome. <laughs> Yeah, I, I just had it done. So I, I've been asked so many because it's right now, you know, it's Black History Month and there's so much happening and people have been asking me to be a part of this, that and the other. And I have said no to absolutely everything um, for this month yeah. and some without justification. Like they're like, did she just say no? No. Uh, yeah. I, yeah, I yeah, yeah. No. <laughs> I'm not trying to push myself. I'm right. I'm good. I'm, right. I'm not leaving my right. house, but I'm I'm becoming more comfortable with saying no. So the fact that you said oh. everything, I'm like, yes. Okay. 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 Yeah. Okay. Yeah. No, I don't feel it. No, no. You know, just a quick story before we go. Mm-hmm. I had the opportunity to meet um, the Obamas, but when I met Michelle Obama, she had these perfectly manicured nails. And so 
I, and mine were chips, first of all. So let's just start there. <laughs> so it was a lesson in don't like level up lady when you're going to be like <laughs> the queen of politics. Yes. And so I now have started with even my family with giving myself tools to be able to say no. Mm-hmm. So every day or every other day at the very least, I manicure my nails by myself at home mm-hmm. um, and paint them. Because when your nails are drying, none of those little buggers can ask you to do anything. That's right. Mom, can you, can you make me? T- no, my nails no. are drying. <laughs> right. Yeah, yeah. Mom, can you scratch my? No, I can't scratch your back. Uh, my nails are and the more coats you put on of nail polish, the longer it takes to dry. I love it. So you have to put tools in place sometimes to be able to say no, especially when you're dealing with, with you know, people who are going to negotiate like terrorists. Right? Yes. You can't negotiate with them. So you yes. put the tools in place to actually get, oh, okay, I can see that. Yeah, mom, your nails are drying. So I'll, I'll get dad to do it or I'll do it myself. <laughs> I love right? it. Right? I love it. So I do my nails. I am going to implement that because I, I am like a regular every two to three week nail salon visitor, but I am going to go and buy nail polish and paint my nails Uh, every other day. Thank you. You have no idea how that (laughs) brings you some balance in your life. It gives you 15 minutes at minimum all to yourself. If you could pick up a glass of wine to drink it, that is that. That's the maximum you could do with your nails wet if there's anything i'm taking from today's conversation that is to go buy some nail polish (laughs) and do that go buy nail polish oh my gosh thank you so much selena for taking the time to join us i truly truly appreciate you thank you thank you for having me and to your listeners thank you for indulging and having me for in your life for this hour i appreciate it <laughs> you're amazing thank you so much so to all our listeners until next time download the walk in my stilettos app and subscribe to our newsletter at awalkinmystilettos.com and make sure that you leave a review let us know what you thought of the conversation what do you think about what selena had to say what tips and what gems did she leave you with share your thoughts about the conversation and continue to walk in greatness in your stilettos in a manner worthy of your calling